You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for everything hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today. You'll learn valuable tips and tricks that you can use on your next trip into the field to make you a more successful hunter, shooter, and fisherman. Now here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Jason Selms, and this is episode 14, Hunting Predators with the Fox Whisperer, Max Farrelly. Uh, if you don't know who Max is, uh, basically I got to know Max off a forum and I noticed he posted a lot of fox hunting uh, pictures and it seemed like he you know, loved fox hunting as much as I did. So I got on the phone, me and Max started talking and it was apparent straight away that we actually hit it off and started talking about fox hunting and then we got into talking about videos and how Max you know, films his YouTube videos uh, on hunting foxes. So uh, before we get into that, I thought I'd just tell you, you can check out Max's YouTube uh, website at uh, Tricky Bricky 64 that's his channel there that's T-R-I-C-K-Y Bricky B-R-I-C-K-Y and the number 64 uh, Max has got all reviews how to hunt his vehicle setup how to make a tenor field plus all his fox shooting DVDs where he hunts them out in the field and calls them in and gets a lot of the kill, kill shots on camera so an absolutely fantastic channel so please do check Max out on his YouTube channel he likes to hunt with his boys Wyatt and Angus he loves getting out in the field and he is a diehard fox hunter so when you listen to this podcast you're going to learn an absolute ton uh, from max who's been hunting for over 30 years uh, he shot over 3,000 foxes in his life, and uh, just last year he shot just under 150, uh, and I think in 2010 he shot over 200, so he's definitely someone that knows what he's talking about, he knows all the techniques and uh, tricks, he's also a damn good shot as well. Uh, we're going to talk about calibers, we're going to talk about you know vehicle setup, we're going to talk about how to hunt them and how to set up, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, before I get into the interview with Max, I also thought I'd mention about a email trail that I've had with Mr. David Shoebridge, the uh, member of parliament for the greens and uh, there was a uh, ad or sorry a media release uh, on a website i think it was one of the news.com.au websites discussing that firearms ownership was up by 11 percent, and it was back to uh the epidemic pre-port arthur so I thought I'd, basically I thought I'd send Mr. Shoebridge an email just to discuss my concerns about an apparent gun council which was quoted in the article. Now basically this is the email that I wrote to Mr. Shoebridge. Dear Mr. Shoebridge, you really do need to check your facts prior to making public statement in the media domain. There is no such thing in Australia as a gun council which you stated in the article. Your fact finding or lack thereof is a total embarrassment to the Greens and your political opportunistic agenda. Stick to the basic uh, information, David, because you clearly lack either the common sense or are too lazy to investigate the facts and then shamelessly provide misinformation to the general public. Shame on you, David. Shame on you to mislead the general public through your media anti-gun agenda. Maybe you should come to a range one day and see what licensed law-abiding citizens really do at the local gun range, where people train for Olympic glory. Just like any other sport. Of course, David, not everyone can be a champion. But how about coming out for a shoot on a licensed range with other licensed shooters to see what it's like? Then maybe you will stop this unfounded anti-gun hate campaign you're pushing on the general public. Shame on you, David, for spreading lies. You should be ashamed of yourself. So that was my email to uh, Mr. Shoebridge. I can basically give you the response that Mr. Shoebridge uh, provided to me. Jason, I have no recollection of ever saying gun council. I would have said game council to the journalist and was either misquoted or you misheard. 
Well, I don't think I was misheard because it was in print. But anyway, there is such a thing as a game council, and I have every hope, however, that one day you will be able to write another untamed email to me about this issue, as there will no longer be such an animal. I presume he's talking about the game council. I imagine no amount of argument or fact on my behalf will change your mind, and most likely, no amount of trolling on yours will change mine. Thank you, David Shoebridge. Well, that was interesting. It's funny how he always says about argument and fact. Uh, facts have always eluded the Greens, but anyway. Let's get into also my response uh, to Mr. Shoebridge's email. Hi, David. My apologies for my recent harsh email. I had read your article only to see more misinformation printed in the media, which prompted my initial email. As shooters and hunters, we are in support of harsher firearms legislation regarding criminals. There is a big difference between a criminal and a licensed law-abiding shooter going about his or her business. You have a professional role in the political arena and even you must understand the distinction between the two. I was never at Port Arthur, nor have I been involved in any firearms crime, nor have I committed any mass shootings. How can you legislate against crazy people? You can't. It's as simple as that. We need to support police and get tough on criminal behaviour to make our streets a safer place for all. Taking the firearms off civilians isn't going to do a darn thing and will just make the public more helpless and the criminals even stronger than they already are. I would like to hear some of your ideas on how we can reduce criminal behaviour in regards to firearms crime such as gang and biker crime. These are the areas you should be targeting with the police commissioner on how to reduce criminal gun crime and make our streets a safer community. Hammering licensed responsible law-abiding shooters is really not a good use of police resources and taxpayer money. Perhaps more taxpayer money should be poured into the already majorly erroneous money-wasting firearms registry, where mistakes are rampant and the information that should be 100% correct has a huge big black hole of mistakes in it. New Zealand disbanded their firearms registry back in the 1980s and still have access to a vast array of different firearms not permitted in Australia. It's a pity no one ever mentions New Zealand or England for that matter. They always compare us to the USA because these statistics back up their story. You might be pleased to note that the Western, civilised country of Canada is also in the process of disbanding their long-arm registry, which costs millions of dollars but achieves nothing for public safety. Just goes to show, even the most civilised countries are turning away from things that don't work and cost taxpayers millions of dollars for zero results. I look forward to hearing your media release in the future on how the Greens plan to tackle criminal firearms offences as all shooters and hunters are in support of harsher penalties for criminals with no regard for the law. You seem like a smart man, David, so please in future, as a professional political figure, do the right thing and report with honest facts as people rely on you to tell the truth as a professional. I am sure your moral compass knows which way to point you on these issues in the future. Shooters will fight for their rights, you can guarantee that. It can be seen by the 11% rise in firearms ownership and the ever-expanding new license holders coming on board each and every month who are loving the sport of shooting and the skill and safety it takes to become a good shooter or even an Olympic champion like Russell Mark for an example. At this rate, firearms ownership and the sport of shooting will be mainstream again within the next 10 years. You can guarantee that. Thank you for your time. So that was my third email and then there's a small response um, from Mr. Shoebridge, and that states, Thank you for your follow-up email, Jason. As you will see from the Greens New South Wales firearms policy, we have different ideas about the role of firearms in society, legal or otherwise. Then he uh, puts a link to uh, his policies on firearms on his website. 
It is much preferable, however, to engage in reasoned debate. You can read more about the work I've been doing in the justice portfolio here. And he quotes the uh, davidshubridge.org.au portfolio's justice page. Regards, David. And that's pretty much what he responded to me with. So uh, as you can see, you know, sometimes they want reasoned debate, but when it comes to actual facts, uh, sometimes their fact-finding is lacking uh, credibility, to say the least. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, my little uh, spout there with Mr. Shoebridge, and uh, hopefully we can keep on top of this Green Party and the anti-gun media agenda and keep on portraying our sport in a good light. But before we do that and get into my interview with the Fox Whisperer Max Farrelly, don't forget we're on Twitter, AH Podcast, the Facebook page, Australian Hunting Podcast. Send us any emails at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Com, iTunes, thumbs up, rate, five stars, leave a response and a comment on the iTunes page, that gets us more exposure. Uh, last uh, fortnight, or last week, we actually, into last week, we had one of our best downloads since the podcast has been going, with almost just under 900 listens for the week. So I'd love to crack that 1,000 listener base uh, over this next uh, couple of months over into the new season of 2012 and the new year. So I hope you stick around and enjoy and listen to what we have to offer. This is going to be a great year, so stay with us. So I guess in saying that, I've been going on for a bit long here. So in saying that, let's get into my interview with the Fox Whisperer, Max Farrelly. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp from CZ USA, and for you blokes down there in Australia, it would be CZ USA. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Max Farrelly, mate, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. Glad to be able to finally get you on. Yeah, thanks, Jace. It's good to be on, and I've Hope your listeners enjoy our interview. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, how did your uh, Christmas and New Year's go? Uh, it's good, mate. I caught up with a few guys from the um, Oz Hunting Network site and we went for a shot. Shot, a, shot my first fox for the year up in uh, Tinchilla. Yeah, so all right, so I guess for listeners who might not know, sort of, you know, who who who, who is Max Farley in the Fox Whisperer? So, yeah, tell them a bit about yourself uh, and, uh, you know, how long have you been sort of hunting and shooting for? Was it a family tradition and how did you get into it? I probably started like in Papua New Guinea because I was I was a, all my family's born in Papua New Guinea, but I was born in Australia. But when I was over there, actually the first person that actually introduced me to a, a rifle would have been Glenn Wilton, a friend of mine. He had an air rifle. He was only a, a boy. We all had air rifles in those days, but I was only about probably five or six, and I used to always go to his place and you know want to look at his air rifle and that. Then uh, later on. I got my own. I was in New Guinea for oh, till I was eleven, and then I actually come down, come down to Milton Aladala, and that's where my parents had had the farm. My grandparents and my grandfather, and my grandfather took me fox shooting. Yeah. So what 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 was your first rifle, mate? My first rifle was actually uh, actually it was it, my first rifle was a slug gun. Uh, I think it was a BSA, and we used to shoot rabbits with that. I got. 384 rabbits one year was just um, the air rifle. But then my rifle, my first actual rifle was uh, a 22 Miracu lever action that I had. But I didn't have that for long because I, I like accurate rifles. I like shooting out at distance. So my grandmother bought me a Seiko Vixen Triple Two, 
and that was the rifle I started clock shooting with mainly. Yeah, no worries. So I've got the biggest question of all for you, mate. Come on, how did, how did you get the name the Fox Whisperer, and how, how did that come about? Uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't had that <laughs> name that long, actually, Jason, and you gave it to me because well, I was talking to you about you know this video, and I actually should call it the Fox Whisperer because I, I whistle up the foxes all the time and talk to the foxes, but uh, you're the one that gave me that name, Jase. Yeah, that's right. No, so we'll pay you back me, for that. Exactly. Me and Max were having a bit of a chat there for a while, weren't we, Max? About probably, um, you know, Max. If you if you guys don't know, you can jump on Max's uh, f- uh, YouTube page. Actually, um, Tricky Bricky sixty four, where he actually hunts uh, a lot of his foxes. Um, gets all the kills on cam and uh, has a great time doing it. And I think one time we were talking, Max, weren't we? I think we were joking. I think I was actually talking about that that silly show, that the Dog Whisperer or something. I thought, geez, that'd be bloody Max, wouldn't it? You know, uh, the Fox Whisperer. That, how many foxes he gets every year? And um, no, certainly, certainly a name that stuck. And uh, I think I saw the other day on Facebook too, didn't you? You got your, he got his baseball cap printed up with um, the Fox Whisperer embroidered on the top of it, didn't you? Yeah, well, actually, uh, the kids bought me that from a Christmas present, yeah. Ah, uh, good stuff. That uh, was good. So, all right, mate, how did you... So, tell me, what what is it you actually love about... One, one about shooting, but why foxes? Why? What do you love about, you know, calling in and hunting foxes? Well, I love shooting, you know. Look, I, I love shooting, um, but I, I, I love hunting foxes because um, well, they're a predator, they're smart, but then they make silly mistakes too, just like all animals do but just the skill in bringing one in you know like you can be it's amazing you can go out into a paddock and you can see a good paddock and you know there's a fox there and you can start calling and all of a sudden you know maybe two foxes turn up sometimes more but um or you might get a real smart one that will show up in a spot and then turn up somewhere else and usually can guarantee it'll be downwind of you yeah, absolutely. There was a time there too, didn't we? We um, where were we over? Um, I think it was one of my properties at Oberon, and that's actually the first time me and you actually. It's the first time I actually caught in two foxes. Yeah, well, that's right. That uh, that was a good good shot you did there. We got that female one, but that was um, that was uh, we actually called up two, and the other one must have been the male. But um, you had your eyes locked on that one. You didn't see the other one coming from the side. But no, we we called a few up that day, but. Yeah, no, it was, certainly was a good day. And what I think I um, took some film of that one. Did we actually film that one too, didn't we? You get also, too, listeners, you can actually check out that too on uh, Max's uh, YouTube page as well. We actually got that one on camera too. And, um, yeah, it was a, well, I got it with the 223, I think, Max, with 50 grain hollow points. And that's the first time in my sort of, you know, hunting career I've actually had two foxes come into the one call. I mean, it's uh, some people having three and four, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, Sometimes it's hard, I guess, to think, how can you, you know, try and shoot two at the same time? But uh, Max was doing a lot of the filming, so I guess it was sort of just up to me. I have missed a few shots in my time with Max, haven't I? So I didn't want to, I didn't want to ruin this <laughs> shot, that's for sure. Oh, we did have a real good day that day. That first one, we should have got him too. But anyway, that's the way that cookie crumbles, eh? Yeah, that's right. So, mate, what's your, um, in your life, and I, mean, I, know, I know you've shot a lot of foxes, man, but I know the tally for this year is probably we're only five days into the new year, but... Um, how many do you think one you've shot over your lifetime, and how how many did you shoot last year in 2011? Uh, well, in 2010 I shot 208, and then last year I shot 115. But I didn't. Um, last year was a bit quiet, so I don't know. Probably about it'd be over 3,000 foxes. I reckon I've shot in my lifetime. So a fair few, you'd say, eh? Yeah, yeah, I shoot a few. 
<laughs> I don't actually shoot that many this time. I like, I, I like going and calling them up and trying to get them on film and and let um, other people shoot them because I just like calling them up, Jace. Now. Yeah, I know it's fun. Especially it's fun getting them on the uh, getting them on the camera too. And again, uh, listeners too. Max also like myself. We actually purchased, didn't we? The uh, Seaburn is it DKM two? I think for uh, that goes on the scope of your rifle. So hopefully. You know, in the next couple of months as well, Max and myself, or on you know, on our rifles, hopefully we'll be able to get some good footage, eh, with the new scope cam. So we've been testing those out, haven't we, for the last probably four weeks? Yeah, I've got to mount mine up properly and try to get get it on. Your listeners got to understand it's really hard. You know, that's probably why I, I don't shoot so much because I find it harder to actually get them on film than actually shooting the foxes. Shooting the foxes is easy, but getting them on film and actually getting them in enough time to get a good footage of them is very hard. That's right. It's hard when you're on your own too, eh? Like you, you, sometimes a lot of times, not, not all the time, but you do it on your own and sometimes that's the hardest thing of all, eh? You're trying to move the camera, you're trying to move the, the you know, the gun and trying to, you know, get it zoomed in and sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Oh, you got to take your hat off for the whole time like Tom Varney and that, you know, he does a good job. I, I really like that guy. He does some good footage, you know, but he he'd understand how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, you and you what you watch a lot of the you love a lot of the hunting videos like Tom Varney and that. I've got all Tom Varney's videos. I love them. Yeah, no, pretty good stuff. So, Max, what do you reckon? How many foxes have you bowled over at one time? When you know, you, just say you've done a calling session, you've you've walked into an area, you know, whether it be you know your, your tenor field fox whistle or your electronic caller. How many? What's the the amount of foxes you've had come in? Say either on the one call. On the one call, one night, I had nine foxes come up. Um, I whistled up nine foxes, and they all come up out of a bit like it was a big open open paddock, and they all come up from all different directions. But the the most I've shot off one stand is three, and um, that was at Pappas. Uh, I was call, I was just whistling with the Tenerfield whistle, and I called up three one. Tell us also, there was a story that you were telling me the other day about, I think it's a roo property. Tell the listeners about that one. There's a roo property and um, just driving into the paddock, uh, you were having the foxes coming up just with the noise of the vehicle. Can you tell them about that one? Uh, that was, um, yeah, that was my mate Scott. He's he's actually got a, a sheep farm and he's got 18,000 sheep, but he rang me and said, Max, you know, look, I lost over 200 lambs this year. Can you come down and shoot some of the foxes? Now, he's got... Um, he shoots roos for a living as well, and the the lamp, the sheep property that he runs is actually like he works for the guy, so he doesn't always shoot the foxes. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But he asked me to come down and shoot shoot them, so I went down. He said, Max, he said they'll come up to the car, and I drove in the first paddock and running towards the car. I didn't even have to blow the whistle or anything, and they just run down probably about. Oh, 80 metres, 100 metres away, and I, I shot four in the first paddock. And then as I as I drove on, you know, the the foxes were actually coming out. A lot of them are young, you know, like young foxes, but um, they were just coming out to the sound of the vehicle because they followed the roof shooters around. It's amazing. They actually see it. That's right, because what the roof shooters, when they're obviously the licensed roof shooters, when they're sort of, um, well, they're, they're obviously culling roos, what the foxes they fit, think it's a, a free feed, eh? Yeah, well, a lot of the, a lot of the um, roo shooters have, you know, because I've got a few mates that are roo shooters, and they, they say, look, Max, go over here and shoot on this property because the foxes actually come up to them, and um, while they're actually 
dressing the um, roo, the hanging on their vehicle, and they actually grab grab some of the off or whatever and take off of it. So they get pretty game. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes they even come right up to the car, eh? Even when you've been hunting them yourself. Uh, I've shot them at the front wheel. I can't even see them in the scope. <laughs> Just pointed the gun at them. It's <laughs> uh, good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff. So I guess that gets into the next question, man. Like, when did you, re- you know, how old were you and how long have you been hunting before you realised, yep, mate, I love this fox shooting, just sort of, you know, mostly dedicating your time just to hunting foxes? Oh, when I was young, I used to always, you know, like go rabbit, rabbit shooting with my slug gun. So, and I always used to try to get a fox, you know, but I, I, I could never get one with a slug gun. But I always used to see them because I was walking around after after rabbits. But then Pop started showing me how to blow the tenorfield whistle, and from then on, you know, after I got a twenty-two and could actually get get the foxes, I I just started doing it. And I just love it. It's just um, you know, they they get one whiff of you, you won't see them for dust. You know, like they're gone. So a lot of a lot of time setting up, getting in the right spot. And as you know yourself, you know, the wind changes and I'm sure we there are a lot of foxes come up that we don't see either. Yeah, I've been done a few several times on the on the on the wind. I think, you know, the wind especially, I mean, you, you can sit there, be camoed up all you like, you can be in the bush, you know, in some dark hedges or something and they get a whiff of you, they don't even have to see you, they're gone for all money, aren't they? Yeah, well foxes, you know, they hunt with their ears and then their nose will their nose is the main thing, as you know, Jace. You know, you've seen them go. Where as soon as they they come in, you know, and they have a sniff, and if they smell human, they're gone. Even from that decoy that we used that time, they just got a whiff of the decoy and they're out of there. But um, and then it's movement, you know, their eyesight. So that's right. And some sometimes they're funny, eh? They'll sometimes they'll get a whiff and they'll just trot off, and other times they hightail it out of there, eh? Yeah, but you always got to, you, when when they get a, a sniff of you or they run off, always have your your crosshairs on them because I don't know one fox that doesn't look back for that split second. You've got a three-second window that you can get a, a shot at him. you just got to be ready and follow him in the scope. He'll stop and he'll look back, and then you've got to, you've got to be ready to fire. Uh, exactly, exactly, mate. Good, good points. Um, so mate, I know you love hunting with your boys, mate, White and Angus, and uh, filming. Um, what, what do you like about the filming, man? What, what sort of, and what got you into start filming as well? Probably just, um, probably I started taking. I took a lot of photos first, and then you know, probably watching Tom Varney's like videos. Sort of, I thought, oh, I should do that, you know. And I started trying to get get my kids, you know, on on footage. Probably that's how I started, you know. I just sort of went started hunting with my boys and, you know, I wasn't interested when I was by myself because you just walk around and, you know, you take a few photos and that. But actually when I started hunting with my kids, well, then I really, you know, enjoyed, you know, taking videos of them. And that's probably what started me with the video, video side of it. But you know, I, I love hunting with my two kids. They're so they're so good. They're good. Hunt. Well, you've hunted with them too, Jase. You know what they're like. Yeah, exactly. Very I mean, safe, sometimes good. sometimes why he's a better shot than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's cheeky, you know. Well, he's a sixteen-year-old. He thinks he's better than everyone. Ah, that's right. So, mate, let's get into the crux of it then. Into say fox calling. All right, let's go. Let's say someone they're coming into the sport. 
you know, they're, they're listening to this podcast and, the, the, you know, they don't know how to start hunting foxes, for example. So let's talk about whistles and calls, you know. So if you're going out in the bush, let's say, even if it's daytime calling or it's even nighttime spotlighting, what sort of whistles um, or wh- how do you call in your foxes? What are you using to call in your foxes? Well, the best the best way I've used to date that I use now is um, the Tenafil fox whistle. It's always good to start with, and I've got um, a caller now called um, a Fox Pro Prairie Blaster, and it's got it's got bird calls on it, it's got rabbit calls on it, got hare calls on it, but there's only really a few calls on it that I actually use. But I like to start off with the Tenafil whistle, and then leave it leave it, and then switch on to the electric caller, and use that for a little while, and then switch off, and then by the tenant field again and normally you know 80 90 percent of the time a fox appears yeah how, how many how many so how long between turning the uh electronic caller on so let's say you start on the tenant field you might give it three or four calls and how many what you wait a few minutes and then got to wait at least a minute you've got to be patient very you got to be very patient with foxes and you know usually i call and then i just wait for a minute and don't because if you ever if you ever use a whistle on a dog like a you'll see if a dog's sleeping or resting and you blow it'll put its head up and it'll look and you can see you can see the dog thinking of what what to do before it actually gets up and starts moving so a fox is the same it'll it'll look up and it'll it'll ears will focus on where that noise comes from and then normally so what i do is i start the whistle with the tenor field which usually gets the attention of the fox, and then I switch over to a fox pro, which is, but well, I use a young rabbit in the stress, which is a lower high pitch, pitch um, squeal, and that usually, 90% of the time you get them in within the first three minutes. That's right. And what about the prairie blaster? I think that's got a uh, a moving decoy. What do you think of decoys on the prairie blaster as two from Fox Pro? Oh, I've had good experiences with them, and I've had bad experiences with them. You know, like um. It's good sometimes if a fox comes in the right area and you've, you've, um, he's locked his eyes on that and not on you and you give your time to film, film him. But other times, you know, they've come around and they've actually got whiff of the um, decoy because they've come in from the other direction and they've taken off. So, I don't know, like, they're a good thing, but they're, they're not a good thing either. So, but, you know, anything that works, you know, it's good, I think, Jace. That's right. What about, as you said before, and I think I've had good success with them too, you've also, uh, the bird sounds, I mean, some of these sounds uh, and animals don't even exist in Australia yet. Some of these sounds are absolutely dynamite on foxes. So what are, what are, what are some of the other favourite sounds? Obviously, you've said, you know, rabbit in distress. Uh, there's what, jackrabbit, I think, is a pretty good one. But there's also some bird sounds. You know what bird sounds you like as well that you've also had great success with in calling in foxes on the electronic caller? Yeah, well, sort of northern, uh, northern New South Wales, uh, around sort of around the Bingo area and that, uh, the Blue Jay in the stress works really good up there for some reason. Um, down south this way, um, there's a few that I like. The, the busy, the busy birds like the um, the Nutty Nuthatch that Fox Pro have is a good one. Uh, Timberhouse Tantrums, another good one. Um, I've seen them come in on the the ranting redbird, um, the duck, the duck calls, the quail calls. They come in. 
it's surprising how many foxes hunt hunt the birds, and they'll come into a bird call and not not a rabbit call. Absolutely, yeah. I've had great success, man, on the uh, titmouse tantrum, especially those nutty nut hatches. I don't know what it is with those. I'm not sure if it's just it's very busy and very distressing sound, or very high pitched too. It's a combination of all of those. But yeah, man, like you, I, I'm, what was that sound we actually used that day on the property that we were on when we called those two foxes? Do you remember what that was? Uh, we started off with the Tennerfield with that, didn't we? And we switched over to. Um I think that was just a young rabbit in distress. Yeah, that's a good sound. That, if, if I could give anyone a tip, I think we played it at, when I was over at your house one time. We actually played the uh, young rabbit in distress. That's a dynamite sound, isn't it? Very high pitch, good good sound. So, sounds sort of like a, a button whistle, but more realistic, I suppose. If you don't know how to blow a button whistle properly, you are, the young rabbit in distress is a very good call. I've, I've called heaps of foxes up with that on the Fox Pro. Exactly, and it gives you so much. I find with the Fox Pro because I've got one too, the CS24, and I find with the Fox Pro gives a lot of versatility. I mean, sometimes you may go out, Fox is just not interested in the tenor field or the button whistle or any any type of those tin whistles. Yet, if you've got rabbit sounds, bird sounds, you've got all those types of sounds, little mallard duckling sounds. Um, the, the foxes just may not be interested in one, yet you start playing, say, a busy bird sound, and the, and the fox can just come from everywhere and go nuts over it. So just some food for thought. But let's say people, because obviously the fox pro callers aren't exactly, you know, they're not, expe- they're not really expensive, but they're not cheap either. So let's say somebody wants to get out there and, and blow the tenor field. So have you shot a lot of foxes over the tenor field and you recommend that as a good start for someone just, say, wanting to get out there, maybe not spend a lot of, you know, a lot of money to get started? They've got their 22 mag or their 204 or even their 308. If they've got a firearm to get out in the field, how good is it to start with the tenor field? Uh, tenor field whistle is the best for um, foxes really you know like I've got a video on my Tricky Bricky 64 that shows you how to make a tenorfield whistle you know and then once you learn how to blow a tenorfield whistle you'll never never forget how to blow one you know it's just getting the practice and it'll take you probably you know four or five hours before you actually start to to get the pitch pitch right and and, um, learn how to do it but um the Tenerfield whistle is an easy, you can make it at home, yourself, bend it up, learn how to do it and and really go out and get foxes with a Tenerfield. Anyone can do it. And at the moment, I was just talking to a mate, um, a mate of mine at Oberon and he's, he hunts foxes and he's uh, called up three on the weekend and he ended up getting two. But he said, Max, there's so many foxes around because of the long grass, you know, like... In the next, um, this year is going to be another year of long grass, and the foxes are just going to be so thick. The rabbits and the long they can hunt easy, and I think the foxes are going to get really bad in the next year or so. That's right. And sometimes it's hard too when that grass gets long. You can sometimes you've got to get up high. You've got to get somewhere, or at least try and call in an area where you can see them before they get right on top of you. Very hard when the grass gets long. Um, they always come around, try to get around you from the wind, you know, they try to swing around, you can't sort of see them coming around in the um, long grass because they're very hard to spot, but um, yeah, so you try to got to try to get up on a higher higher side and sort of have have the wind in your face and, and always, you know, be careful 
be careful because they'll come around, especially a smarter fox. It'll come around. It'll run wide around you and then try to get a whiff before it comes in to have a look at what's um, what's going on. I shot one last year, late last year. I was actually calling one up with with white and we spotted it on a dam and it, we had the fox pro going and it come down, come running down. It stopped to about 50, 60 metres away, but white didn't have a shot at it. So it turned and it went and we thought it had left, but it didn't It didn't leave. It come around a bit further and it popped out about 30 metres from us. And uh, one of my mates, Dan, that I used to shoot with, Big Dan, um, he had the shotgun and it, he spotted it. It just stuck its head out and took one whiff and just was about to turn and he shot, shot it as it turned. So... They, um, once they get the smell of you and they come around, they go. They're out of there. That's right. I guess some of the benefits too of like um, uh, when you're using the the electronic callers too is you can actually put the uh, uh, electronic caller, you know, twenty, thirty, maybe even forty meters away from you, um, which helps in as you've probably seen many times, as we've seen actually when we shot that fox at Oberon with the property that we went to. Um, it wasn't focused on us. The tenor field might have got its attention, but once they came down the hill, obviously looking for where the free meal was, um, they definitely weren't looking at us because that one fox that we shot, actually, do you remember how it actually went into the thicket, remember? And I was there thinking in my mind, oh, no, it's going to go in there. It's going to pop right up at the bottom of the caller. It's going to scent us and it's going to run off, but it didn't, did it? It came into the thicket, probably went, you know, or the tussock, it went about halfway down, didn't it? Just stuck its head up for what, probably... Yeah, three or four seconds, just long enough for me to get a shot off. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the benefits, I think, of those callers, isn't it? Just that takes a lot of the pressure off you because they're not looking at you. They're not, they're, 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 they're not seeing the movement. Because if you're calling from a whistle, that's probably the only negative, I would say, from a whistle would be that, you know, when they come in, they're looking right at you. So if you're moving, even if you're camoed up, that can be very difficult. You know, that's one of the benefits of the callers, I'd, I'd say, too, eh? Yeah, well, I, I like that caller for filming purposes because if I use a tenor field and you know yourself like when you try to turn the camera on once a fox has locked its eyes on you it's locked on and and you move or you go to turn I've, I've missed heaps of foxes where I went to turn it just to turn the camera on and there's the hand movement that spotted you so, so I sort of like the um, the cause to take take that take that away you know so the fox doesn't lock onto you because you know, they hunt with their nose first and their hearing, and then as soon as they come into closer, like 50 metres or so, they 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 got any little movement, they pick it up straight away. Uh, exactly. So, mate, let, let's say you go into a property, uh, you're trying to get access to a farmer's property, let's say, but how do you know if the area you're calling, say, has fox in it? Do you look for anything in particular, creeks or thickets or, or you know, the, the you know, fox holes? What do you look for and how do you know if there's a good property that you know, might harbour some foxes that you might be able to call in? Well, you know, foxes have got to have food for a start, you know, so there's got to be food there for them to for them to eat, whether it's, you know, blackberry, they eat blackberries, you know, they eat um, rabbits, of course, you know, like a good sign is, you know, rabbits being in the area, but usually um, ferns, you know, I, I like to look for the fern, you know, they like to get in the ferns and sleep and, um, you know, birds, a lot of birds around, um, it's good to, good to, you know, get a fox up. Um, you know, birds, birds, they hunt birds a lot, so 
if there's no rabbits there, if there's a few birds there, you can normally call them up. Um, I know at my property where I was living at, at Grosswell, I used to call them up on on that um, guinea fowl. They used to think it was a water, uh, one of the water hens in distress. I called a few foxes up and, and got them on my property with that one. So, But vehicles, or, or anything, four-wheel drive or a motorbike or a bike, as long as you can walk around, the best way to, to get into areas is to walk in and keep the wind in your face. Exactly, man. Good, good points for the uh, listeners there. So, Matt, let's say you go to a property. You know, I know you like spotlighting too. But what's the what, what's the best time of day to call? And when do you have most success? You know, say mornings, afternoons, midday spotlighting at night calling. What's the what, what's the best time of the day to, to try and call in foxes? Uh, well, uh, Jason, I reckon the best time is the morning time. To be a, the absolute best time is anywhere from sunrise up to about eleven thirty. I find, you know, like any time of the cool morning, they're still out hunting. And then I find from, I found from 11, about 11 o'clock, 11.30 to about 2.30, 2 o'clock, they sleep or they're in the shade, you know. You can still call them up, but they they usually lay down and they're, they're sleeping somewhere. As far as the fox's movements, you know, like you can still call them up during the day if it's uh, not so hot but usually they lay down between 11.30 and 2.30 and then I reckon from 2.30 to dark is good any time up, up till it gets dark um, the other the other thing is I find overnight, I, I find they sleep overnight too, like you can spotlight during the early early part of the night and then usually when you get to around about oh, one or two o'clock they sort of overnight in the morning they they go to sleep then too so you'll see not all of them but you'll see a lot sleeping in the grass overnight they've had a feed you know and then they're waiting till the morning to start again and then they go hunting again so they're funny things but that's just my own personal opinion you know it could be different in different areas you know that's right. So, mate, I know, I know you like to hunt at night with the spotlights, and yeah, me and you have done it a few times. And yeah, uh, do you, does your calling like uh, is it different calling during the day on how you sort of call and spotlight at night? What, what, how do you sort of normally set up your spotlighting, and how do you set up your calling, and what, how, how do you normally do that? Oh, uh, spotlighting is a much easier way to get the foxes. You know, like. Sometimes, you know, it depends on what time of the year they come to the call, you know, straight away. Um, they come to the sound of the vehicle in some spots, like I said, but normally, normally um, I set my spotlight up in the door and I've got a rest that I rest on that I bolt onto my mirror and then I usually just um, drive around. If a fox doesn't come in, normally what I do is I sight, I sight in side it with my um, binoculars and do a range test on it and make sure that it's uh, a fox. I usually dial in dial in my, my scope to the distance and um, I'll use a 204 of a night um, and, then I'll, and then I'll fire at it. But um, anywhere out to 300 metres, you could get a fox easy with a 204. Yeah. Do you use your do you use electronic callers, or do you normally say stop the car, have a blow on the whistle? How do you, or just driving around and see if you can see them in the spotlight? Yeah, normally I just um, oh, plenty of times in the right time of the year you can pull up on a, in a paddock 
and just blow the tenor fill whistle like you're normally whistling and the foxes will come come to you. You can see them coming in the light and they keep coming in. It depends on the time time of the year. Um, like you find around about June through to August they they're breeding so they don't they don't come they're not interested in coming to a call or the spotlight there. You'll see them running along the, the ground, sniffing. The best time to get them is in the middle of the day when they're, they're actually asleep and you can actually still call foxes up. A lot of people think they don't come to the call, but they do um, in the middle of the day. Um, I guess in saying that, uh, what is the best time to call? You know what I mean? Like, is it, I mean, uh, so, you know, they're breeding down, say, through, you know, that winter period, you know, trying to, you know, hook up and find a mate for the breeding season, but... What do you reckon the best, say, couple of months of the year? Is it you know, the before Christmas, over Christmas, or in that February through March before it starts cooling off? My favourite time is between March, April, May, those three months. The, um, at the moment, you know, like um, you probably know a lot of pups around. They're just leaving their, leaving their parents now. They're starting to fend for themselves. But in another... Um, by March, they're actually hunting. They're probably hunting for themselves, and they're usually pretty hungry. They come to the calls pretty quick, so the best time to whistle is from March, April, May, and then you know June. Um, then going into July, they sort of start to breed. So you don't usually get them coming to the call then. But if you want to whistle now, you'll you'll call up a lot of young pups, but. A lot of times they don't really know what a, a whistle is either. The young pups, but come March, April, May, they know they know what a rabbit call is, and they come running. They come running. <laughs> they come running. What's your? What do you think? Yeah, like yeah. Let's say you've been out on a call. What's the quickest a fox has ever come in? I mean, that day we hunted at uh, Oberon. I mean, that those foxes. What I think you know, probably uh, ninety seconds, and those two foxes were on top of us. What's your? What's your quickest you've ever had a fox come in? Uh, Jace, I've had them come in a few times so quick I haven't even had time to couple bows of the whistle when you first sat down within the first 10-15 seconds one's jumped out so you know like and you know completely not ready for it but um, you always you know you get in that habit where you you um, sit down and you're, you're not quite ready and you start but um, yeah I've had them come out mate within 15 seconds of blowing the whistle and it's hard to get them on camera when they come out that quick. Sometimes you don't expect them to come out that quick, but it's always it's always exciting when they do. Yeah, yeah, I've had some good times. You have some good times, you know. I've been had them jump and sit next to me on a log and while I've been whistling and, and looking down the hill and not know, not know that I'm sitting right next to them. That happened to me um, last year when I was, I was whistling. Um, I'd, uh, I actually... Blew the tenor field, and then I had the fox um, probe set further down, and I was whistling. And the next minute, I turned the fox pro on, and a fox jumped up and sat about a meter from me on the log I was sitting on. And then when it jumped down straight away, it could smell where I walked. You could see its ears sort of prick, and then it turned around. And then when it turned around, it spotted me. Right behind it. <laughs> I wish I could have got a photo of that. <laughs> uh, what was that like? Did it scare the hell out of you too, or not really? Uh, I did when it jumped up first, but I got I got the shock of my life because it was like um, that movie Predator. You <laughs> yeah. know, and um, when the predator jumped next to Arnie in the tree, 
that's what it was like. And um, <laughs> I didn't know what to do, whether to move or anyway, it jumped down in front of me and got the sniff. And when it turned around, it um, it looked at me and I took off, but I, I shot it on the run. Uh, good stuff. Definitely funny stories there, mate. Um, so let's say camouflage, mate. I know you like to get in your big ghillie suit. I've been out with you hunting in the ghillie suit. And um, what do you, do you do? You reckon you know camouflage is important when hunting foxes? Like especially if you're going to sit on say the side of a hill. You know, maybe there's you know you got a good spot. There's no trees, no lo- you know long grass to sit in. Uh, how important is camouflage? Is it important, or can you call it? You know, if someone goes out in jeans and a polo shirt, they'll still be able to call in foxes. Oh, you can still call in. You know, I like wearing the camouflage because sometimes I sit out in the open paddocks, you know, like and um, if I'm sitting out there, I like to sort of blend in. Sometimes it's not not a, something to sit up against, you know. Like you can go out in a polo shirt and jeans and sit up against a log with the sun behind you, perfect. You know, like nothing would, not even a human be able to spot you in the, in the dark side of it. But, you know, sometimes when you sit out in the open there's and there's nothing, and you call call a fox in, you know, like you know, wearing some kind of camouflage. They usually pick you up pretty quick. I like I like camouflage. I like wearing it. I know it's not the most important thing when you're hunting, but you know, like it, it certainly helps with their eyesight. Yeah, exactly. And do you, do you often try to you know get up against a log or a tree, get in the shadows? That because I mean I know when you're in the shadows, they just can't see anything. They just it's sometimes the best place to be. Yeah, yeah, the shadows is good, you know, like with the sun behind you, perfect, you know, and the wind in your face, but you can't always get that, Jason. So, you know, anywhere up against a a, a bush or, you know, in some tussocks, I've, I've just sat in a, a bunch of ta- tussocks and called them up. Um, but you try to, it's really hard. You've got to try to, it's hard to sort of pick a spot because a fox goes up and he'll sleep up in a, in a good spot and you sort of got to get him to come out and um, you've got to have be in an advantage you know you might think one's going to come out of a hill but you know one will pop up behind you in the long grass sleeping in the tussocks so you just can't pick it sometimes that's right and sometimes you've got to be ready too so I guess that gets into the uh, next question you know like, let's say when you're setting up you're going to go like you might find a good patch of thicket and maybe there's a creek down the bottom. How do you know? Do you have a good idea? And can you explain to the listeners, like, how do you know where the fox, you know, sometimes you can't always predict where a fox is going to come from. He might be sleeping, as you just said. But let's say there's a creek. Do you try and set up near creeks, like off, say, big hedges and thickets of like a bit of bushland? How do you know where they're going to come from? And how do you try and set up to accommodate that? Oh, normally when you... um. Like when you've been hunting them for a while, you know you know where they're going to come from or, or what they sleep in, and you know like we were the just a story. The other time we went out to Bathurst, there was we walked along a creek and it was really windy, and um, we sat up. I sat up there with the boys and and started whistling, and and um, two foxes popped out of the blackberry vine straight away within the first ten fifteen seconds. I got I got the fox on film, and then it, it took off, and then. Another fox come out of another um, bunch of logs further up the creek, which the boys shot. So usually, usually they they sleep in the in the blackberry vines and and they're in logs and they usually you know yeah along the creeks or you know in the morning they usually get in the ferns in the sun where the sun on the sunny side of the hill you'll always find them up because they're just like us they like to 
you know, lay down in the sun and, and go to sleep out of the wind, so... Yeah, exactly. Sometimes too, eh? like when, when we went to that property we went to before, remember? And we, I remember we said to each other, didn't we? We said, you know, sometimes I guess never discount a spot, That I think, because, you know, we went to that property. We, Me and Max actually drove past this area and we thought, oh, we might set up next to that pond, if you remember. And then when we called in those two foxes and then literally within about, what was it? Probably about a minute and a half, wasn't it? We uh, had those two foxes come in. So, Sometimes when you think a place might not be fruitful, you know, give it a little bit of a call and uh, sometimes it can pull two foxes from an area. Yeah, that was a good spot, really, when you come to think about it, where where we pulled up at that pond because they had the water there, they had feed there, and they had, um, that was actually uh, one of those, well, the rest of the paddock was all open, but they had uh, one of those nature areas where the farmers actually fenced off, you know how they fence off areas that, I just um, and they let go back. You find they're really good spots because properties that I shoot at Bathurst have got those fenced off natural vegetation areas that they they let grow and don't touch. And I've I've, I've always whistled a lot of foxes out of those areas. They love those areas because the the farmers don't touch them, you know. And 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 you can usually they're near a dam or in a waterway somewhere, so. They're pretty good spots, actually, Jase, to actually whistle up the foxes. That's right. And um, so I know you said you, get, you obviously you go out in the field a lot. What's your, your your best hunting trip on? How many foxes have you taken in one hunting trip? I think, you know, from one of the ones you put on, probably about a year ago, your binger trip was a big one, wasn't it, where you put, I don't know, what was that, 24 foxes, wasn't it? Or Yeah, well, that was, um, that one at Binger was based over, over three days, and we decided we were going to hang them all on the fence, every fox that we shot because I was actually having a competition with um, my sons and, and Dan on that trip so we uh, we ended up getting 28 foxes in, in a couple of days there but um, probably the best I've shot over over 20 foxes in a night. I've whistled up and shot you know, 18, 20 in a couple of days so no, you, you always have, if you go to a good spot when there's plenty of foxes you can get and you get shots at them you can certainly get them but the whistling's whistling's good you know i've had good times with white we had a when i first took him shooting and i that's when i first started just taking photos but i um shot 18 foxes with white in in three days on a long weekend where it was actually in two days we shot the 18 but white shot all those foxes with the 22 um that was a good that was a good weekend so what do you prefer mate like what do you like do you prefer the the calling and obviously the, even though you film at night with some of your spotlighting what do you prefer do you prefer the daytime calling which is much more rewarding or do you also love the spotlighting too it doesn't really matter oh uh, I, I prefer the, the calling of the afternoon jace you know or the morning i, I like it in the morning walking around like even if you don't see anything i just enjoy the, the wildlife you know like you see a lot of different things um even if you don't even fire a shot but um, the spotlight, spotlighting I, I mainly do for the farmers that I am getting rid of the foxes for, not really for filming. I'm, I'm actually getting rid of the foxes when I go spotlighting because normally when we go spotlighting we don't finish till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and then you're too tired to go the next day uh, fox whistling. So normally when I spotlight I'm out just kill, killing the foxes and get rid of them for the farmers but when I'm Whistling, we're usually trying to get them on footage on film.
But I like I like whistling, mate. I like the whistling the best. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what do you let's say you got, you know, a young fellow who wants to get into hunting foxes, what's sort of some of the best advice you'd, you know, give to someone starting out into, you know, trying to at least call in their first fox? What's sort of some of the, you know, basic advice you'd give them to get started? Well, they just got to get themselves, you know, if it depends on how young they are, but, you know, get a property where they can shoot on and um, the best best way to get a property for anyone is to, to go up and ask the farmer to shoot on, on his property, just knock on his door and ask him. And um, normally the the farmers are pretty pretty good. They don't mind, you know, people, responsible people shooting on their property and just stick by his rules and and um, go out there and, and just call, you know, stay for the weekend, camp overnight and just have a walk around and make sure you shut the gates. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, so what do you, when you know, when you're calling in your foxes, what percentage of the time do you say, you know, you find they charge the call or do they hold up and just sort of get a bit wary? And what's the percentage, you reckon, say, to how many ones that have held up to the ones that just, you know, they charge it in, they don't want to stop, they want a free meal and they're going to they're, they're gonna forego all their senses just to get that meal as quick as they can? Yeah, that's a good question, you know. It's amazing how different they are. I suppose, like everything, they're like human beings, they're all different. And the way they think different, the way they hunt's different. But um, normally, normally, like this time of the year, right through to, you know, May, June, they they come in pretty quick and they come running in, you know. But um, it's sort of later on, later on in the year, they, they um, get a bit quieter, but... No, normally, mate, they they um come in quick from this time now to till about June. Yeah, and sometimes it's good, isn't it? From the sometimes I, I like when they come in fast, like those ones at the property that we hunted. But then once they get within the property, what say twenty five, thirty meters, they just decide to hold up a little bit, don't they? Just have a little bit of a look, and that's going to be pretty much you've got to be on ready to go about that time, don't you? Yeah, you got to be ready, like um sit with the rifle up against your shoulder and you know like my boys my boys either uh, sit there with the rifle up against their shoulder or they um they're usually facing in the two different directions that we think the fox might come from and you, you just got to be ready and and um and pick them up before they pick you up no that's right mate so i know we, we were talking about this before mate firearms let's get into let's say someone they want to start hunting foxes you know what's the a good varmint gun? What's what, what's what, what's Maxie using, and what's what's good to get started in? Uh, you know, fox calling and, and hunting, hunting. Uh, you know, I guess varmint hunting and predator hunting. Well, you know, like I've I've been listening to the guys on uh, on this uh, talking about these different firearms. There's a, few, a lot of different cartridges around now that that we didn't have when we were kids. I think um, one of those. 17 HMRs would be pretty good to start with. Um, I wouldn't sort of go with the 22 anymore. I'd sort of go to a 17 HMR. But my favourite rifle, Jase, as you know, is a 204. I use a 204 Ruger. But I've got um, an Ackley 17. Um, I've got four 204 Rugers. Um, Angus uses a 223. He likes a 223. Um, but my favourite rifle is the the Ruger 204, 
Yeah, no, there's been a lot of, hasn't there? There's been, I know Max loves the 204. He sort of swears by that. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of different cartridges around at the moment. But, obviously, the 204, the Ruger 204 has become... You know, I guess the you know, the new I guess benchmark for the you know stand, uh, for predator hunting. I mean, uh, you know, I guess your seventeens work too, as you just said. Your two two threes, twenty two two fifty. I mean, they're all good. So, but okay, let's say your two oh four, mate. What's uh, what bullets are you using? Powders and what you know? Obviously, are you reloading your own? And what are you what are you doing to get that uh, rifle dialed in? Yeah, I use I use um, I reload my own. I use um, in mine now. This is just my load that I use in all my rifles in my 204s. I use um, the AR2208 powder and I'd load them with uh, 27.8 grains of, of um, powder. And I've got, I use the VMAX, I like the 40 grain VMAX bullets. Um, I, or the, the other bullet that's a good bullet too is the um, 39 grain Blitz King. Sierra 39 grain blitzing, they're pretty similar kind of bullet. That's what I use in my my two all my two oh fours. I don't change loads. And what are what are they flying at those uh what sort of feet per second of those two oh fours? They're pretty hot, aren't they? They get up to about what, thirty three hundred, thirty six hundred? No, well I um actually I actually was at the range in Queensland and uh with Carson and um Justin mate of mine and he had a chronograph set up and they were shooting out at 3,500 foot per second on average. We fired four shots, so they're all around about the the three five mark. Yeah, they do too. So, also, what about shotguns, mate? I know I've seen a lot of your photos too, even um, Wyatt uh, and yourself. You, you've used the shotgun as well. How often do you use the shotgun, and um, is it good for those close in when, say, you know, you might have you know both your boys there? You know, let's say Wyatt's got the uh, the 204, and maybe or vice versa. How do you how do you find that works on the foxes coming in to say twenty five thirty meters? Well, I don't take the shotgun much with me anymore. I, I um, Big Dan, my mate Big Dan, he used to always carry the shotgun when he used to come with us. But we um, we just mainly take the rifles now. But yeah, the shotgun, the shotgun would be fun. But most of the time now, mate, we use the rifle. We just go out there and you know if one comes comes in close, we shoot it with the rifle. Or if it's it's out sitting out at you know 100 metres plus. We can hit it again, hit it with a rifle easy. I don't take the I don't take the shotgun myself much anymore. Yeah, and what would you say? Let's say you know someone's gone into the got their license. They want to hunt foxes, but they've only got say a large caliber firearm. You know, say a 270, 308, or whatever they may have. Is that going to not permit them to still hunt foxes? They can still shoot foxes with the bigger calibers if they didn't have anything else. Oh, they can shoot them with anything. In this, it's in Victoria. They they give you um, I think it's ten dollars a scout. You know, but the New South Wales government, you know, they don't pay. They don't pay any of us hunters to get rid of the foxes. So that's why the numbers are up so high, you know, and we don't... But you can use any calibre you want to get them, but um, I wish the New South Wales government would, you know, uh, start paying like the Victorian government does for scouts. Yeah, exactly. So obviously I'm guessing the next question, uh, if you had to pick two firearm calibres to hunt, say, foxes with, what would they be? Obviously I'm guessing 204 would be your first one. What would be your second choice if you didn't have access to, say, the 204? To hunt just foxes, Remington 17. Yeah, you reckon that would be your second pick? Yeah, just for foxes, that's what I'd pick, either a 204 or a Remington 17, smaller. You know, I, I use, um, I like taking my Ackley Hornet 17 too. Of the smaller properties. 
Yeah, no, it's, they're good cartridges too. I mean, I guess the amount of cartridges they've got going these days is just unbelievable. I mean, they never had the 204 years ago, did they? It's come on the scene. The 17s have come on the scene. I mean, I guess it's uh, all, all riches for uh, rifle shooters at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, the um, 17's been around a while, but we used to, I used to use a triple two. You know, the triple two was a dangerous um, cartridge, and everyone had a triple two, but so sort of two two three sort of taken over now. But really, um, back in the day, we used to just use um, the triple two. Yeah, no, another good cartridge too, the triple two. I mean, I think, I think even the the Roo shooters use the twenty two. Oh, sorry, triple two, don't they as well? Oh, all of them did. A lot of them did. You know, and the triple twos are a great cartridge. So, mate, uh, let's get into I've got a few more questions before we finish off. Say, so, you know, we'll talk about sensors before. You know, the 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 what's most important would you say in the order? Say, uh, smell, vision, and hearing. Uh, what's the most important, and how can they sort of each individually affect? Say, when you're hunting, like obviously we've spoken about smell, but you know, vision with camouflage, and what about their hearing? What would you say from you know most important to the least important? Well, the most important, the most when you're whistling is um is their smell. Um, yeah, you just gotta be really careful with the wind, you know, like um I can't stress enough how important the the wind direction is. You, you know, you'll never see a, a fox come if you're you know, you're you're downwind. You know, if it's downwind of you it's gone. But um important thing of course, you know, is their hearing. They can hear, it's surprising, um, the hearing they've got. It's unbelievable. You know, just a click or a, you know, yourself, you turn the camera on with a little little noise or a little crack and they, and they pick it up straight away. And then, you know, as they stop there looking, um, their eyesight, they look for movement. That happened to me one time. I was on that property that we shot those two foxes on probably a year ago and... Uh... I remember I, was, I just hopped off the had the posty bike at the time I was r- driving around on that and gave a bit of a blow on the tenor field and then all of a sudden I had a fox coming in it was probably only 20 meters away I only had the 22 with subsonics at the time and uh, had the tenor field in my mouth and had the rifle up and just let the tenor field drop out of my mouth because he was committed the fox was committed and then the tin hit the top of the scope and then ting and then Nah, he was out of there. He hightailed it out of there. He didn't hightail it, but he was quick enough to get... He looked up and he said, nah, this doesn't sound right. So, you know, sometimes if you're going to do that before you make a shot, keep the uh, tenor field in your mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, 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 the hearing's very good, you know, like, and uh, hearing and movement, you know, like, I've, I've missed heaps of foxes, you know, like making noises or or uh, movement, so... But no, and and smell. I've I've had them. I've seen them coming in, sort of behind me, flat out, and the wind's blowing across, and they've hit that cone of my smell and just turned and hightailed it without even stopping. Like they were, they were sprinting up towards the um the caller. They've hit the cone of where I I was behind a tree, and they've just gone 90 degrees the other way, without even without even thinking. It's amazing to see it, and um. If it's a smart one, it won't stop. Once it smells a human, it doesn't stop. Normally, you know, 90% of the time they'll stop and have one last look. you just got to be ready for, ready for that shot. That's on your YouTube channel too. You don't just put all your kills up. Sometimes you put a few of the misses on, don't you? And what, you know, give people an idea of what happens when sometimes things don't go right too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get every fox, you know. Like, if we got every fox, I suppose it wouldn't be fun. But no, they, um, 
plenty get away and um, you get them another day. Yeah, mate. I was, we were talking about access before, you know, accessing properties. And, you know, I mean, we both know this. We've had a you know, long, in-depth chat about it where people say, you know, oh, they're complaining I can't get access to properties, you know. Uh, they're, you know, they're sitting on their butt waiting for the property to come to them. So, you know, uh, do, does letter drops work or do you think it's better, you know, approaching a farmer and getting the sort of balls to do that and go up to a farmer and say, hey, listen, you know, I want to, I wouldn't mind helping you out to call up some foxes. What's the best way to sort of get access to hunting properties? Farmers are down to people, you know, like you just walk up, walk up to them and introduce yourself, shake your hand up, they'll look at you and, and I'll say yes or no, but, but when a farmer says yes, yes, you know, you stick by his, his rules and what he what he, he says. But if he says no, no means no. You shake his hand and walk away. There's there's plenty of properties in um in this country to shoot on, but you just got to go up and ask ask the guy and and just stick by their rules and and just don't go shooting at every everything you see. And usually when you've got one property, and the farmer will introduce you to another farmer because they all talk. All the farmers they all know each other. And usually one property leads to three or four properties, and it just keeps growing. Uh, that's exactly right, mate. So I guess the tip is just get out there and approach farmers, isn't it? And just uh, you know, make sure you're doing the right thing and just you know, get out there and ask them. That's the best way to go about it. Because I find a lot of people don't you know, have what it sort of takes and don't feel a bit nervous and, and don't want to go and approach farmers because you know, they think they might say no and they get a bit nervous. But hey, I guess what's the worst case scenario? They just say no. I'm scared. scared of someone saying no to you. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Some people are. I mean, I know a few people personally that are like that. They they complain about not having properties yet don't do what they need to do to get out there. Even if it's just one property to start with, you know, get out there and, and, and hunt on one property, you know, just, just one. All it takes is one. I mean, that's how we got, I got that one over at Oberon that we hunted on, you know, just asked him and he said yes and I've been hunting there ever since. That's right. That's just, just got to go and ask, Jake, you know, like some of my um, best friends now uh, over the years now, like we're, we're, uh, I can ring them up any time and talk to them, and and you know we're good friends. We go uh, stay in their properties. They they feed you. They give you drinks, and um, you know you go out there and shoot the foxes for them. Yeah, exactly, mate. No, absolutely fantastic points, man. So I guess to finish off, man, tell us a tell us a story, man. Say you know maybe one you know a hunting story you've been out on where you've shot a lot of foxes or maybe a story where a fox has done something in particular just tell us a, a story mate one that maybe sticks in your mind as probably one of the the better days or the better hunts you've had uh, since you've been hunting foxes <laughs> oh there's plenty of those jace but um probably oh, i went shooting with this um i went shooting with this guy spotlighting down on a property near canberra with my two sons and um we um we had a fox sitting there at 80 meters, just sitting there looking at us. He fired, he missed, and <laughs> the look on his, he looked at his face, you know. He says, "I don't know what happened." And, uh, 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 pretty... uh, is this person me? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you, mate. Uh, and, uh, the look on your face. I wish I could have got a photo of that. Uh, no, yeah, you're right, mate. That wasn't it. Where did we go? Yeah, down near Canberra. We went to, yeah, for, I guess for the listeners that don't know sort of what Max is talking about, me and uh, me and Max went for a spotlighting session with his son Wyatt down on, uh, I think it was down near the ACT. And, you know, we sort of Max hadn't been there before and he invited me along. And, yeah, we did. We had the spotlight out and I think we, uh, we I saw some eyes, but there was a few horses on this property too. And I thought, nah, that's a bit big. It's, it looks like a horse. 
anyway, so we actually drove down there, and uh, no, actually, we Max drove in with the 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 car facing or the four wheel drive facing forward, and yeah, no, it was actually a fox, and he was just sitting there, wasn't he, Max? He was just sitting there with his with his big white chest, and I thought, oh, Max goes, all right, Jace, it's your turn, you're up, you know, and Max had already shot, I think, one previously to, to before that, and and White had already gotten one too, so it was up to me to to try and get a third, and yeah, we we're probably eighty five, we probably was in between eighty and a hundred meters, and. Uh, yeah, he was just sitting there. He was he was asking to be shot, and I don't know. I squeezed off with the two hundred four Maxis or White's two hundred four, and yeah, I just within the few split second after, I saw him jump away, and I'm like, oh, what the hell happened? And yeah, big Maxie, you've never let me live that one down, have you? I had to in your face, mate. But we've all missed him from that close anyway. I've missed plenty from that close. Don't worry about that. No, that's that's why when I uh, we went to the property that we we got those two fo- or the fox on when those two come in, I thought, oh, jeez. I hope I don't blow it again when I get the opportunity. Then he, then he will think I'm bloody hopeless at hunting these foxes. So no, it's a. Uh... A lot of guys, a lot of guys get nervous, nervous. You know when a fox appears. You know like it's pretty exciting. You know yourself, the adrenaline gets up, and um, it's um, it's, uh, it's good fun. And you know I hope more young young people get out there and and try this one. They really enjoy it once they get one. Oh yeah, I always remember my first fox, and yeah, there's nothing like, especially when the first fox I got, he actually came over me right shoulder, and the only reason I knew he was there was because uh, I heard the crunching of the, the, the dry leaves on the ground, and I actually had the shotgun at the time, and yeah, I mean, that took him down with some uh, number twos and a, I think some double OSGs actually uh, in the shotgun, so yeah, just... Uh, Get out there and start hunting him, I guess, is the advice. You know, get some land, as Max has told the listeners. And, uh, yeah, mate, so I guess uh, if people want to check you out on YouTube, mate, you know, you've got some great videos on there. You've done some, um, you know, making Tenerfield uh, videos. You've also done all your hunting and your, your shooting uh, foxes. Uh, you've also done your groupings. And, um, you know, you also did a video about your 22 as well on how, you know, the drop of a 22. So if people wanted to go on YouTube check out your uh, videos on there, which I'm sure they'll enjoy. How, where, where can they go and what's your, what's your name on YouTube? And I'll also, once Max gives that out, I will put that in the show notes below of this podcast so people can actually you know, grab that link and click on the link and go straight through to uh, Max's YouTube page. But what what is it, Max, if the listeners want to check on your YouTube page? Yeah, thanks, Jase. Yeah, it's, um, the, the channel's called Tricky Bricky 64 Now, it's spelled T-R-I-C-K-Y. B-R-I-C-K-Y, 64. But, yeah, there's a few good videos on um, on the foxes coming in, a couple of good videos of them getting shot. Um, yeah, just have a, have a look, and then hopefully this year I'll, I'll be able to put a, a heap more up. I'm going to do a lot more um, hunting this year, so hopefully this year I'll be able to put a lot more up there and and um, people can check out some of the um, yeah the action. Yeah, exactly. And I'll also in the show notes put uh, Max's email too. So if you know people wanted to you know with legitimate questions, wanted to uh, get in contact with him, and maybe they want to you know ask a few questions after they've listened to this podcast, I'll throw his uh, email in there as well. And uh, people will be able to send him an email if they wanted to, and uh, so he can you know, maybe help a few people out if they needed. So, all right, Max, thanks for coming on the show, man. I uh, really do appreciate it. I've been trying to do this one for a while, and we've finally been able to sort of make a time and get it done. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of the listeners that will, um, we've done a few Fox uh, podcasts before, and uh, I know I wanted to get you on because, especially, you're one of the people that I know that I've met sort of off the forums. and become good friends with that uh, knows exactly what they're talking about. You know, you make good videos. I've learned a lot from you as well going out and, you know, the do's and don'ts of getting out in the field and 
um, you know, you certainly know, you know, what you're doing when it comes to, you know, fox hunting, mate. So thanks a lot, mate. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the list, you, the, the listeners listening to this podcast can get out there, start hunting the foxes. You know, even if you don't have some of the equipment, you know, you've got a 308 and a button whistle, get out there and start, you know, calling in those foxes. You know, you're not going to call any sitting at home, sitting on your butts. And, uh, you know, you certainly, you know, by getting out there, you're going to increase your success tenfold and, you know, getting access to those properties by asking for permission. So thanks for coming on, mate. And uh, I'll uh, send the listeners over to your YouTube page. I'm I'm sure just like me, they'll love watching your videos, mate. So thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jase. Thanks for having me on your hunting podcast. And um, I hope um, your listeners enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, mate. You've just been educated. This is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.